Before we begin, the thoughts, views, and opinions that you may hear on this episode are just that. Thoughts, views, and opinions coming from myself and my guest. So if you get offended by them, disagree with them, or just simply don't like them, well, there's a simple solution to all of that, and that's just stop listening. But if you're eager to hear the conversation, then just sit back and enjoy the show. Yeah, that. Welcome back to another episode of the Yeah That Podcast, hosted by yours truly, West Coast Roberto. I'm excited about this episode right here. I have a very special guest, Miss and Ronnie Angelique Young, an entrepreneur, motivational coach, transgender woman, and we discuss. You know, we we actually got to know Ronnie and what her life was like growing up. You know, her coming out as gay and then realizing that she wanted to transition into a woman. You know, we also discuss um, her entrepreneurship and then what drove her to become a motivational coach and entertainer, et cetera, et cetera. So get to know Ronnie Angelique Young in this episode. It was very fun. She drops a lot of gems, a lot of gems for you to sit down and actually think about situations. And that'll help you in regards to, you know, thinking about things in life's and current situations so sit back you'll enjoy this episode i I know i had a fun talking to angelique was had a good time but uh before we go to this one to recap last one episode 29 i had my brother on you know my brother gonchi he went on and it's always a good time when gonchi's on we we he explained tokusatsu art which is the japanese animation art of you know like godzilla um uh super sentai etc etc we had a good time on that one if you haven't seen that one check it out episode 29 on uh youtube watch the visual on youtube or you can listen to it on any podcast platform or this current one that you're listening to this episode on but tune in to today's episode with ronnie angelique young and i will catch y'all on the back end get at Welcome back to another episode of the Yeah That Podcast, hosted by yours truly, West Coast Robbie. And today's guest, I'm very excited for. The guest is a motivator, an entrepreneur, <laughs> inspirational, just all the checks in the box. And I will allow them to introduce themselves <laughs> without further ado. Please, if you may, Ronnie, introduce yourself to the, yes. to the viewers. Hi, everybody. My name is Ronnie Angelique. And... I am a 34-year-old, well, no, I used to be 34, I'm 35 now, wow. <laughs> I'm a 35-year-old trans woman who um, is in network marketing and also performs in shows and does a bunch of different things. And I'm just basically an, a widespread entrepreneur, um, but I get my biggest part and happiness in life from motivating and helping other men and women just find peace with themselves and, and pursue their passions. Awesome. And before we get and dive into your endeavors, I like to get to know my guests personally, like where you were from, like how you, what it was like growing up, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in, um, in the Bronx, New York. Uh, and I am the 
third, well, no, I'm like out of, I have three older brothers. I have two younger siblings that are step siblings, but I love them just the same. Um, so I come from a huge family uh, and I've, I had a very good childhood. I, I can't complain about it at all. I, I was very blessed and very lucky on all sides. I'm, I'm half Hispanic and half black. So okay. I grew up um, with a very well-rounded family. Literally, we go all the way from pasty white all the way to black as night. <laughs> so my family's a very widespread um, like color like field. So I honestly, I was really blessed. I didn't even experience racism or anything like that growing up in New York and growing up in upstate New York or like Pennsylvania. My family moved around a lot. But I didn't even experience any kind of like racism or any kind of negativity towards the kind of person that I was until I was like well into like middle school or something like that. And I had an incident mm. where um, I was called the N word and it wasn't even by kids. It was by grown people at a at an ice cream shop one time because I lived in the Poconos at the time. And it was just a shell shock situation to me. And I didn't know how to handle it. I had heard, you know, we read books, we watch TV shows and you don't really know about it. But um, it really changed my perspective on life because I was kind of like oh, I need to like be in a position to to educate people why that's not okay. And I need to be in a position to educate, educate people why we shouldn't judge books by their cover and we don't know anything. And I'm like, for this white person to call me the N-word and I'm like, you don't even know, like I'm, I'm part white. <laughs> I was like, I don't get it, I don't get it. I was like, it don't make no sense to me. I was like, there's a part of me where like, um, you know, my, my, my lineage is the same as yours. And because I was yeah. raised that way, I really didn't see it. So that started me on my kind of journey to kind of educate people. And then, um, being a, a positive force in people's lives, they always say like, um, you know, you want to be the change that you want to see in the world. So right. I've always been that person in situations where I probably could have went left. I've always stood my mm -hmm. ground and like held true to like my beliefs and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I have a, a bachelor's in graphic design. I have a master's in psychology. I um, spent a lot of time as a life coach, helping and assisting a lot of people. And now I'm in network marketing, um, being a mentor to women who are trying to be an entrepreneur in the business world, as well as men. Nice, nice. So, uh, how did, how did and I, I gave you a lot out? to work with. No, no yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying, to, trying to break it down. So what, when they came at you with the N-word, like, how did that come about? Like bad service or something on your part or what? No, I was, I was literally, I just graduated the eighth grade and I was at an ice cream shop with my family and I just couldn't decide on what I wanted. And I was taking a little too long in line, I guess, for them. And wow. so I actually stepped out of line and let them go so that they could pick while I still decided. And as they got their food and they got into their car, while well, I had already ordered, like I had already did what I had came to do, like it wasn't nothing. Mm -hmm. And they just decided to get in the car and was like, next time make up your mind, you effing N-word. And I'm like, wow. Oh. And I was like, I was like, who are they talking to? Like, I was like, I was looking for the adult, but I was the only person of color around. And my mm -hmm. mom and my dad were in the car waiting. Like everybody was kind of like chilling out. Like we weren't going to stay there and eat. So it wasn't like a big deal, but my mom heard it. And literally, like, my dad got out the car to, like, come to, like, be with me. And my mom, like, jetted off and chased him down the road. <laughs> my mom's a beast. I love her. She's that New Yorker side of her never leaves her at any point in time. <laughs> what, uh, what, what type of Hispanic? Puerto Rican? Oh, yes, yes. Well, my, yeah, my mom's family lineage comes directly from, um, from Puerto Rico itself. Like, okay. And, and so her, her, yeah. <laughs> so she's like really fired up. Yeah. And she's um and she's also partial like um Irish Italian. So like oh, she's okay. just literally fire. There's oh, not yeah. a point where there's not fire. It's just all one hundred percent all the time. And I love her for it. 
Oh, that is crazy that they would say that to a, a kid or an adolescent. Yeah, that's, it was. It was mind-blowing. I think that's everybody, insane. and it was like a full-service place. Everybody there was kind of like gasp, shock, awe. Like, nobody knew how to respond. I had other people's parents, like, asking me if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, I think. I was like... I was like checking myself. I'm like, I don't think I got hit by that one, but <laughs> I don't really know. It took a while for it to like settle in and for me to kind of like adjust that, like in my head as a as a young kid to kind of be like, oh snap, like there's people in the world out there who literally are going to like attack you just for, for being you. Right. So you were so, oh, what, 13-ish? Uh, no, I was younger. I was, I was probably like, um, I graduated when I was, I graduated high school when I was 16. So, um, so yeah, so I was probably like 12 or I I hadn't turned 13. I'm a late bloomer. I'm a Sagittarius. So I'm at the end of the year, end of the month. Like I'm literally like (laughs) the last person on the, in the room to get their award, like always. So, um, yeah, no, I probably hadn't even turned 12 yet or something like that to that effect. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. I I was wondering, I, I, I seen your pictures and I was like, I know she's mixed because I'm personally, I'm mixed. I'm mixed, but people look at me and it's like, Oh, it's just a black guy. But I'm mixed with Filipino. It depends and, uh, on where you go. I swear to God, I know. like I go, I know, and I travel all over the world. So like I um I go to places, and there's people like anywhere that's a Spanish city, they automatically like, I I go to Cuba, and everybody always just assumes I'm Cuban. If I go to like the Dominican Republic, they all assume I'm Dominican. Like anytime <laughs> I'm in an area, like they all ask me. I went to Canada, and people that's the first time people have to stop and ask me like, wait, what are you? Because they're like, are you Nigerian? Are you this? Are you that? And I'm like, no, I'm none of that. I'm just I'm as I'm as plain as vanilla and chocolate ice cream. Like it's it's not complicated at all. <laughs> like it's just those two things. That's it, really. I mean, if you get into like genealogy and stuff, yes, I'm a lot of things. But my yeah. basic hardcore two are just black and Spanish. Like right. it doesn't get any different than that. <laughs> oh, I'm the same. I'm the same. I, I tell people the same thing. I'm black and Filipino. My mother is half Hispanic or half Spaniard and half Filipino. But it's just when people ask me like, "Oh, are you mixed?" I'm like, "Like, yeah, my mom's Filipino." But it's crazy because I experienced a, a similar situation to you at around a similar age because I'm from California. And mm. I grew up in that Hispanic culture. So my my girlfriend at the time, she was uh, she was Mexican, but she looked like a white girl. And we we're walking down the street and holding hands. And then behind us, a car passed by. And then all you hear is, what the fuck are you doing with the N-word, B? And then it drove away. And I was just like, wow. Like, we're teenagers. Like, come on. Like, that's crazy. Like, who gives crazy. you the right to have your opinion so vocalized? Or like, no. you think you need it to be so, like relevant that's crazy and i can't imagine what that felt like for both of you because it's kind of like just getting shot out in the wild like i didn't do nothing i'm sitting here enjoying my life and you just gotta come dump your opinion on me i can't imagine what that must have been like for the two of you yeah i mean she my my girlfriend at the time she was just like did they say what they what i think they said i was like yeah that's all right whatever and we just kept it moving and that was the end of that so for you though you said that that made you want to start your your positivity the the yeah so what did you do in to start that to start that process um well to be honest i was young i was like i said i was like 11 or 12 and mm-hmm. so the first thing i did is what any other normal human being would do i went home and i cried because <laughs> no, i was like that's no, a lot for it that's a lot for a kid to handle right um and then i just kind of sat with my mom and we talked about it and my mom having grown up um in a time where she actually had to hide her being Hispanic because of her father. So she grew up in the, in the Irish part of New York and the Bronx. And even though it was like Spanish Irish, like 
she's white passing. My whole family is white passing on her side. So a lot of times people see them and will think they're either Italian or think that they're like Irish or think that they're something like that. They don't necessarily see them and go, oh, they're Hispanic. So they grew up like not learning Spanish. They grew up not being like that. And she said, sometimes in society, like when you're in that situation, she's like, just remember that their words don't have any power over you. And she's like, but you get to control how you react. What you do is the most important thing. So she's like, you know, you could have gotten mad and thrown something or did something, but that could have put you in even more danger, you know, or endangered the people around you. She's like, you have to really think about your situation because everything you do has a reaction and and an equal or has an action that has an equal reaction or whatever. So at that point, I kind of lived around a lot of different people and I had to evaluate, like me and my brothers were the only people of color in our school. There was only two black mm-hmm. families when we moved there and we were one and we were three out of the majority. So like, yeah. um, we literally had this whole situation where I went to my friends and I just sat down and was like, I need you guys to understand, like, this is something that I struggle with. I like, I don't want to be your friend if if you don't understand what that word means. I don't want to be your friend right. if you don't understand like what it means to be treated unfairly or to be treated mean or something like that. And right. up until that point, really, I hadn't in- experienced it, but I made it a point to like separate my friends at that point. I was like, if you're not for me or if you're like rolling with like that kind of ideology that like because I'm different or I'm smart or I'm educated or whatever, that I get the free pass, then I don't want to be your friend. And I made it really clear. Um, I was really blessed once again to be in a school that was actually really understanding. And we had a lot of staff that was really good about that. And it wasn't like a major issue, but I made it a point to join every single um, curricular I could to, to help out and to help people understand. And we had a, a really good, uh, like a culture of black people in our school by the time I was in high school. So like at that point, I'm like, oh, this is fine. Like we just kept pushing the the mission to like just help people understand that like, that's not accepted. We don't, you know, we can name call it, but it's like playing the dirty dozen, right? You can't say your mama. Like you gotta like, you can't say that <laughs> word. Like, I don't care how bad I hurt your feelings or how bad like we we get at each other and neither one of us can do that. And it was at the height of a time where like, I only graduated in 04. Um, so okay. it was like at the height of a time where rap culture was really big. But the funniest thing as I say now is that like back then we really didn't have a lot of our artists dropping the N word like that. So it wasn't like you heard it all the time and the radio was so good about like editing music. Like I can honestly say that none of my friends were running around using the lyrics of a song as an excuse. None of my friends were running around using like their, um, like their, their cool with the kids on the basketball team as an excuse to drop that word. We just didn't, we just didn't use it. And so like, it's really funny, like as you go into other places or other cities and other countries and you start to realize like, how people react or use things even now like this is like what we're almost 20 years later 18 years later i'm sitting here and i have the issue where like there are it's literally something i don't know if you watched the fresh prince of bel-air but oh, they did the totally. remake and and in the <laughs> no i mean with the, the remake you know um in yeah, the first the episode one? out the gate it's an issue that they attack yeah. they literally go headstrong for it and you see this on both sides and it really made me um have to reevaluate once again i was like am i that person i was like do I let my friends say it because I know they don't mean it out of harm? Or do I let right. my friends say it because like, I was like, should nobody be saying this word? Should it not even be a topic? Like yeah. even now as an adult, I have these moments where I have to reevaluate how I address that word because I realized that my silence could really be a motivator for people to do things that could harm other people in the area. Just because it doesn't bother me doesn't mean that it, it's not bothering somebody else or it doesn't offend somebody else, right? Right. So right. food for thought, I guess. No, most definitely. <laughs> I, I agree completely. I graduated in 03. 
but I'm two years older than you, so I, I guess because you're a late bloomer. So I, yeah. everything, <laughs> everything you talked about, I I understand completely. And uh, we'll go back to that, the okay. the society thing, because I know in regards to that, the N word and and how it is in society. I wanna I wanna like kind of cover being trans as well, because I know it's it's along the similar basis because of how it's kind of like a, a taboo gray area, but we'll get there. I, yeah. just, you know, we got we to <laughs> no, educate some no, people. Yeah, we could do it. Sorry, I, we went there to the other side because that's like my first experience. And it does tie into no, no, it, yeah. you know. Um, it has yeah. a major, it played a major part in in that part of my, my journey for sure. Okay. So what was your, what was your childhood? What were you like as a child like or growing up around like adolescence and stuff? I mean, for me, I was a, I was a, I was a lucky kid once again. Like my family never put, I never had the, um, the societal norms of male and female put upon me. I was the third of my mom's like natural kids. My first, my oldest brother is a half brother. And so when I was born, I think everybody just was like, what we're not going to do <laughs> is stick to this, like this, this pattern that we've developed with the first three. So I was the first one to be, um, surrounded by women. I knew how to cook and clean by the time I was eight. I could, you know, take care of myself and my brothers by that point in time. At that point, I was taking care of people twice my age, um, making sure that everybody was good to go. Like I, I could really run the house by myself by the time I was 10. So I um, I had this upbringing that just was super different from that. I didn't do sports. I didn't do anything like that. I stayed with all the, um, the other side of things. So I just really experienced life on a on a different path than anyone around me. And I was always encouraged to do whatever made me happy. I was always encouraged to be the better yeah. side of me. Um, I was the perfect example of if you give a child the opportunity to like drink um, early, they're not gonna think it's like something they wanna do later on in life. Like I went to France when I was 13 and I spent two weeks there and I got to drink wine and stuff. And I came home and I was like, I am not gonna be an alcoholic. I don't like that. It doesn't, I don't like the way it tastes. I don't want anything. And now I don't have an issue when it comes to drinking. It's something that like I do it when it when I want to, if I feel like it's necessary. But I don't need to have like a bottle in my house. I don't come home every night and drink. Not not wine, not alcohol, not anything. Like it's like it's something that I don't feel is a necessity in my life. But there's other siblings that I have that they can't literally go on without having their personal little thing because they were constantly under the thumb being told not to do something. Mm-hmm. So I definitely just got, I think I got lucky out of my siblings because they just kind of wanted to see where I would end up or what would happen to me. Um, so I was really blessed with that. I had great upbringing with like schools and stuff like that. I didn't, I was in the hood. I got into one fight. I was very much like the freshman's ability. I literally got into one fight on the playground when I was in the fifth grade. And my mom was like, you're out of there. We're not leaving you in New York anymore. I'm taking you back to Pennsylvania. Like it was very that. So I, I've always had like, not necessarily a sheltered life, but I've been like given like you can do anything but that. Like even in right. this school, like don't be fighting, don't don't cuss people out. Like always be the better person. It doesn't matter what they do. Like just always make sure that you don't get in more trouble than them. <laughs> like oh, you can cool. say what you want, but don't get in trouble. You know. Um, yeah. But my childhood was great. Like I, I got to be flamboyant. I was I was dressing. I had Barbies. I had I was a Disney fanatic. So I had every Disney doll you could think of. Every toy. <laughs> um, I was also like I was allowed to just express myself however however I wanted, and I think that that helped me out later in life a lot for sure. That's good. And your dad didn't have any reservations or anything about the Barbies and being flamboyant or anything like that. 
no, God, no. He, he. Good. if anything, he encouraged me to just have fun. He was like, it doesn't, yeah. he's like, the doll is like, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be the doll. I just like playing with them. I preferred them yeah. over action figures. Personally, for me, it was a size thing. I didn't like that the action figures were so Come tiny. <laughs> and I, want, I wanted to like be able to put them up and like post them and like have like table talk. I was like, I didn't have a little mini furniture for the action figures. So I was like, no, I want to, like Barbie had everything. I was like, she had the full car, everything. I was like, this is perfect. I was like, it just was more fun to me. Um, the funniest thing about it is, is that like once I became a teenager, I didn't, I could care less about dolls. I got into like collecting action figures. I'm a huge nerd. I'm a Marvel nerd. Yeah, yeah. So like That's that was like me, me and my mom's thing. We literally nice. would go to like, um, we would go to like uh, comic book shops and we yeah. would either get like X-Men comics together or we would get the new action figures when they would release. Like we each had our own favorites and that was like our thing. So I quickly changed cool. my whole idea on things. Um, when I was going through school, like I didn't, I was a swimmer in high school and then I did cheerleading. Um, I came out when I was technically in the 10th grade. I came out as bisexual as most gay people do. You know, you put your toe in the water and you figure out what you like, if you do right. like it or not. And I always was the kind of person who was like, I want to make sure I don't like something before I say I don't like it. So right. like um, I dated girls first and foremost, and I still love women. I think women are, are everything. Um, I just don't like relationships with women. I think that relationships with men have been just better for me. Like, mm -hmm. oh, like relationships with women in general are great, but like uh, a boyfriend, I've right. always had better luck or it's always just been a better vibe. It like seems romantic. to mesh better. Yeah, in a romantic yeah. sense, yeah. But plutonic women are all, like I'm surrounded by women constantly. Yeah. Um, but I did that first. And then when I put my toe in the water, I dabbled for the year and I tried to figure out where my feelings were. And when I came home, uh, because I, I, I spent my sophomore year in Florida, actually. I went to a magnet school here called Thomas Jefferson, which I loved. Uh, but I came back here my junior year so that I, or home my junior year so that I could be with my family and graduate with them. And that year, I just was like, fuck it, I'm gay. I was like, let's just say it. Let's just see what happens. I was like, yeah. push come shove. I spend a year avoiding people and I graduate and I never have to see these people again. I was like, because the truth is, yeah. I was like, I knew I wasn't going to be in that town. I know I was going to have to deal with it. <laughs> so um, I just kind of jumped out of that and I got really good um, responses from the people in my school. Like my, my fellow student body, like loved me as a person. So who of I course, slept with didn't yeah. matter. And it was like really great. I was the first person to have a, a male date to prom my senior year ever in the school's history. So um, that was really cool too, to break that barrier and to have that yes. as a, as a stepping point for me. Um <laughs> All of this time, though, I just didn't. Sorry, my dog. Hold on. No, it's okay. okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's gonna bark a little bit because there's. A, I think somebody just got or people drive by or whatever. It's okay. But no. Um. But yeah. So like, uh, I I just had this like, I had the idea in my head that like I I wished I could have been a woman. I was allowed to be as effeminate as I wanted. I was a cheerleader at the time. I was like, I, at the, yeah. in my head, I, I was like, I couldn't be gay. I was like, I was like, you can't go any more down this Kinsey scale than this, right? So, I mean, outside of that, um, it was just something that I had always thought about, but never saw it in action. I never met anybody. You only see it on TV. And the yeah. depiction of it on TV is either something comical or something disastrous. So I was like, I didn't have a good idea of what it meant to be a trans person or if, how that even started out. Um, when I went to school, uh, college, I did psychology as my minor. And I really was like, oh, this is cool. And I learned about it and I learned about the process. But even then, even the old textbooks and the old, um, the old information that was out there, it was very misleading. It was very inaccurate. It wasn't yeah. like things had changed over so much that 
if that's all you have, once again, to base your knowledge off of, you really don't see it as a possibility. Like they made it seem impossible. They made it seem like transitioning was the hardest thing to do in the world. They put you through the ringer for years on years and made it like so tough for you to do it just to make sure you didn't do it for no reason. Right. Which I get because changing your gender is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's a whole lot. Um, but it was just one of those things that like I, as I was in college, I started to meet people and I started to get into the gay scene or whatever and like see like that lifestyle and started to see that it was possible. But I always told myself like, I'm not going to jump down this rabbit hole unless I know for sure I can get where I want to go. I want to know that I'm going to be the person I want to be. I want to know that I'm going to end up looking and feeling the way that makes me happy. And um, it took me a long time. So I, I went to college when I was 19 and I graduated when I was 22. And then I spent the next three or four years trying to figure out how to, how to make this happen. Who do I have to go to? Who do I have to see? There's like no resources in any state that I was in. You can't get help in New York, can't get help in Pennsylvania. Um, so I was just kind of like out of options by the time I was 25. And I really thought like, I had been through a lot of shit. <laughs> I had yeah. went through um, a really horrible relationship. I had went through a suicide. I had went through oh, wow. a suicide attempt. I had went through oh, wow. um, uh, being homeless twice at this point in my life. I was like, at 25, I really sat down and I was like, I, I didn't expect to make it to 25. I didn't expect to live past 25. I was yeah. like, I had to reevaluate everything and be like, what am I missing from my life? I remember um, towards the end of my stint living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I was working for the school that I graduated from. I had just bought a new car. I had a, a fire apartment, a little like, you know, solo bachelor, bachelor pad or whatever. And I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And I just remember calling my mom and being like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is what I've spent the past 10, 15 years working towards. And I have it and it's not worth any of it. I, I would give it all up in a day if I could have a moment of happiness because I literally was just miserable. And she was like, if there's nothing there for you, pack it up, come home, or you can move somewhere else. She was like, go change your scenery and hopefully that'll help you. You know, she, she said this analogy that I love and I still use, it's, you know, a plant. When they outgrow their base, you have to change it. You have to put them in a bigger pot with new dirt and new soil and new water. And you have to really give them a chance to really spread their roots and grow. And so that was her best advice to me. And I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. So I ended up moving down here to Florida and the craziest thing happened. Like I literally bloomed like crazy. Like I ran into a crowd of people who had all the answers, like as if they had been waiting for me my whole life to just show up at the door to like any, <laughs> uh, any objection I could possibly give to them. They were like, nope, you're going to do this. Nope. They do this for free. Nope. This is that. Go do that. So um, I chicken shitted on it for a while. And it wasn't until I, my 30th birthday, um, I had once again just gone through like another bad relationship where when I met the person, they knew that I was transitioning or I knew that I wanted to transition. Mm -hmm. And I was like starting the process of living my life on a daily basis. And they just, they made me feel kind of content and they didn't question or challenge me and my transition. They just kind of let me come and go as I pleased. And I got comfortable. And I remember right before we broke up, they came to me and they said, you know, I'm really attracted to you as a woman. If you wanted to continue doing that, I support you. Like, I don't want you to stay, you know, a guy because you don't, you know, you feel you have to for me. Like, that's right. That was the craziest thing. And it like blew my mind. And I was like, it's not about you, really. It's just I don't have the I don't have the tools yet. They're not like I don't have them yet. I can't do it just yet. 
So I was like, I'm going to do it. It's just, I'm not in a rush. I don't need it to be right now. I don't need to have like my whole body transformed. I don't need to have everything. I just need to, to find out what makes me happy in this life. Right. And um, so we ended up breaking up and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because once again, here we go, slingshot. And I get to be this awesome person. Um, I ran into another set of people and they literally like stopped me in my tracks, pretty much verbally bitch slapped me and then sent me to their doctor <laughs> and was like, go get the help you need and go start. You've been deal- You've been on and off doing this since we've known you. Like, just go get it started. So yeah. I did that. And it was crazy because I only did that five years ago. It wasn't like I did that like a wow. whole long time ago. Yeah, I only started my transition back in 2017, 20, um, yeah, 2017. So it was like a crazy like upheaval in my life, but it was the best thing that ever happened. I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know how this is going to go. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be pretty. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have a body. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if anything's going to work, right? You think about all these things, but I just had to do it. So I jumped in and it was like that. I thought it was going to take me forever to like find my comfort zone and stuff. But like everything just, the second you do something that's meant for you, everything move it, moves in that direction. It, it was like, I felt like I had been going upstream my whole life up until the moment I just jumped in and was like, let me go all in on my, my future and my real passion, like my real life of being a woman. Like I want to be a woman from head to toe. Let me just jump in. And it was like, everything happened like that. Nice. I got a job. It wasn't like it was hard for me to work. It was like, um, nice, I'm lucky nice. to be on a scale of something called passable. So when I'm out in the street, a lot of people don't clock me. They're not looking to be like, oh, that's a dude or like whatever. Um, I had my moments when I started my transition, but <laughs> at this point in time, I'm very comfortable with my body and, and I've, um, I've been on hormones for like four years now. So it's been really great to watch the transition of my body and watch how everything has kind of just molded itself and accepted it naturally. Like I didn't have to do anything crazy. Like I will be there for, I've never had any work done on my face. I've never had um, anything good. done anywhere else. Yeah. I'm natural outside of the wig that's on my head <laughs> like that's it like it's not like it's not like a thing that I, I went I had to do to make it happen um I did get a BBL that was the first and only surgery I ever got because as a gymnast and a swimmer I have a a, a gymnast body and I was like I want some yeah. hips like just a little bit I just want a little bit of coke bottle but um I was very smart about it I've always done my procedures or like how I reach out to doctors I'm, I'm everything's on the book I never did anything um, there's a lot of misconception about the trans world and having to get your assistance with your surgeries or your your medications or your therapy um, yeah. under the table or in the back office or hotel motel rooms. If anybody's watched Pose, they've seen this um, uh, reenacted in certain aspects. It's something that is not a lie, but it's not the only way. Like there are ways to get everything you want in certain states and places for free. Yeah. And there's ways to wow. get it with, you know, with actual assistance and actual help. So for me, that's been the biggest motivator for me. Like in my transition is I've had my um, shout out to 26 Health in Orlando, Florida. They've taken okay. care of me since I've started. They used to be uh, nice. Two Spirit Health. Now they're 26 Health. They, um, they've always provided me with my, my therapy sessions, my both for my transition and as well as just a regular therapist. And then they've done all of my work for my medication um everything to keep me on the books and keep me healthy and well and then um 
as far as like other assistance. Some states like Pennsylvania, uh, after I left, of course, they have a whole department that they literally, if you go and you see them and you use them for their services, they'll pay for all of your surgeries. Any surgery you get approved wow. for, they'll pay for everything, like the full bill. Um, California is the same way. They're, uh, if you're in their state and you're under their government, you can literally, if you're approved for it, you can get your any of your surgeries done. So it's like really awesome to see over time, like a lot of people have these options and they're, they weren't available when I started, but they're available right. now. So it's really cool. That's, that's very cool, actually. That's very cool. And I know, so you're, you were born in the eighties, you're a product of the nineties, just like I am. I know you said you came out in when you were in 10th grade. Did you have to deal with a lot of adversities when you first came out as, as bi or, or whatever? No, um, I, I, I did not, but there was a young man in my class uh, who, who did. He was gay. He was very out and about about it. And he was very flamboyant. And I watched his ridicule and I watched his shame and what he went through. Um, but I never saw him ever one day come to school and stop being himself. Good. And so Good. on my journey, I kind of look back to things like that where I'm like, I don't, I'm not meant for everybody. I'm not meant for everybody to love me. I'm not meant for everybody to like me. I'm not meant to be everybody's favorite. That's not why I was put here, you know, but my life is mine and I have to live it for me. So I have to do, I have to put myself first. That was the hardest thing for me to do in my transition because the biggest thing that held me back from transitioning was what I thought my family was gonna react to my transition. I like, it was like so funny. It was like every time I felt like a Russian egg, every time I walk in the room, I come in with a new label, a new set of rules, a new everything. I was like, it was like, just keep opening the egg and taking the little person out and the little person out until finally I got to this this part of my life. Um, the compartmentalizing of it and the just the worry and the fear. I think that that's any trans person's biggest fear is that they're gonna lose the loved ones they have around them. Right. Especially if you're a late blooming trans person. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for any child that is, aware enough to know that that's what they want and they want to pursue. I'm so happy to know that there are children who have parents who are willing to sit down and listen and hear them say, like, I think I, I'm a boy or I think I'm a girl or I think that I, I don't know what I am. I don't know how to feel. Like, that conversation is so, so powerful because it opens up the opportunity for them to have even more conversations with you, the trust you have, the, the ability to sit. I remember... Um, when I came out to my mom and I, I did the whole prom thing, I remember my mom sitting with me in the couch and being like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I was like, this isn't really a choice. And she's like, no, that's not what I mean. She's like, you're already black, you're effeminate, and now you're going to add the label gay to yourself and you're going to walk around and that's going to put a target on your back each time. She's like, you have to be understanding that like, when you go out, like there are people who don't like you already because of what you look like in general. And now you're going to make yourself a, a moving target and I was like, but I can't live myself in fear of these people. Like, I can't be afraid. You know, I might never meet them. I might see them right. tomorrow, you know, but I can't, you know, I go back to the guy from my high school who was every day came to school wearing his like mesh shirts and his little tank tops and like living his best life. And like, I was like, I can't back down from these people because the second I go and I dress up or I cover up or I do something else, I'm giving them the win they get right. to live a little bit more comfortably. My my uh my expression or myself, my my light should not dim yours. It shouldn't make you feel inferior. It's just my light. It's who I am. And I should be able to take that into any room without any question or fear of who I am or who who else is in the room with me. Right. 
Yeah, and the only reason why I asked that is because growing we grew up around the, the same time period. So for me, we had there was a person I grew up with, and he was he was gay, and he was the only male on the cheerleading squad, flamboyant and everything. And I was raised by my mother, short little Filipino lady, old <laughs> school but little bulldog, and uh, the dude the, the the individual was was Filipino, and I grew up with that person. And I remember I had like friends and homies just used to say stuff and all kinds of stuff. And I used to like check them like, yo, like, like, why are you doing that? Like, is that bothering you? Like, they don't, they don't come to you. They don't talk to you. Like, there's no reason for you to like talk out of their, out of their name or whatever the case may be. Just let them live their life. And uh, the individual did and just was just doing their thing and just, and I, me personally, growing up with that that person was happy for that individual to being to be able to express themselves and live the life they wanted to live. So I know I had friends who were just ignorant, and when it came to situations like that, so that's the whole reason why I asked if you had to face any adversities when you first came out and started or uh, opened it up to as being gay or whatnot. No, I think the biggest adversity I had to face was myself. I think um, people, I, I, I adore people like you who stick up for us because the reality is, is that there is nothing that anyone can say to us that we are not saying to ourselves already, that we are not in our heads constantly thinking about. Um, I recently had a conversation on a talk show that I do called Common Courtesy, and we talked about that experience because we're, as our own worst critic, we literally stand there and we will tear ourselves apart and put ourselves back together again and tear ourselves apart and put ourselves back together again. And it's not until you start to kind of say, wait, like, why am I talking to myself like this? Like, I would never say this to a family member I love. I would never right. say this to my to my best friend or to someone that I care about, right? Like, your best friend stubs their toe and you might laugh, but you're going to be like, are you okay? Is of it broken? Course. Can you wiggle it? Right? right. Why is it when we stub our toes, we're like, you freaking idiot. You knew that couch was there. You're cursing up <laughs> an inanimate object. You're telling yourself like, oh, I, I yeah. do this ish all the time. Like I'm, I'm such a mess. Like da da da. Like, you know, you're late for work. You wake up late. Everybody goes into a panic mode. Right. And we're instantly telling ourselves that we're the worst person in the world. Like I do this shit all the time. Or why didn't my alarm go off? Yeah. You're mad at everybody or you're worse. You're the person who blames everybody else. You know, the person that you're like, oh, you blew out the power last night. This is your fault. You know, are you, you know, you did this, that, 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 you know, the gods hate my ancestors hate me. Like we say everything else other than the fact to acknowledge the fact that A, we made a mistake and B, it's okay. It's right. literally natural for people to make mistakes, for people to like slip up or fall up or whatever. So like, I think that people have to realize that we as our own worst critics, we don't need another person in our head telling us how good or bad we look or, or how, how passable we are or how you know, flamboyant we are or whatever. Like, trust me, we know, we are aware. We did not wake up this morning completely of course, unaware yeah. of who we are. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. Snap, snaps. <laughs> that's what's up. Like, I know my first experience, like, dealing with, like, a homosexual who I, did, I didn't understand. I was uh, probably, like, seven. And my mother, she had a friend. And because uh, Filipinos, you know, Filipinos, it's yes, it's family yeah, and friends you, all the same. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> and uh, we had one, and uh, their name was 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 Tita. And I would I would ask my mom, I was like, "How come Tita like wears makeup? Like, what's going on? Like, 
I was just curious, just a kid, like curious, like why is, why is Tito wearing makeup? Isn't that for girls? And my mom educated me on this stuff and how you talk about your mom and how your mom sounds very wise, just wise <laughs> as fuck. And it reminds me of my mom and she just like, kind of like educated me. Well, like, you know, people do and dress and act how they want to act. And all we can do is just accept them. I mean, as they are, like you, you're not the one to judge. So I've always taken that, that little tidbit that my mom told me and I've applied it to my life. And for you to say like, oh, we're our biggest critic. It's to me, my personal opinion is because I, I criticize myself all the time, mm-hmm. especially when I was younger. But as you, as you mature, I'm big on like mental maturity. The, as you mature, you start to realize like, oh, I don't need to criticize myself. Cause like you said, like, I don't, I don't, this is me. Like I'm doing me. I don't need anybody else to do it. I don't need to criticize anybody else. So I mean, the more you mature and the wiser you get, then you start to realize stuff. Uh, so I mean, it sounds like you had a real good upbringing. Yeah, I, I was really blessed. I was lucky. My dad was a, um, a 9-11 first responder. I grew up with him as a police officer, and then he was a detective. And then my mom is a New York City educator. She was uh, working in the public school system, and then she went to work for the Board of Education. And she was actually like um, someone who helped teachers when they were in legal situation. She gave them legal advice and, and helped them as a liaison for the any cases they might be facing um, within the her jurisdiction in her area. So uh, I got to see all sides of it. And my mom also was a special education teacher. So when I grew up starting off, I was I was around a lot of different people. I have a big heart for acceptance. I love all people. I don't judge anybody for anything. Um, disabilities are are both handicaps and blessings because they give you something to be absolutely enamored with, with yourself, because you're so much more capable than their disability. You're so much more. I've met so many people who have disabilities who have more degrees than me, who are who are able to do way more than me. I know some people with disabilities that can run further, can jump further, can swim oh, yeah. better. Like I meet Same. people all the time who have um, things that the world tells you it should stop them from being better, and they will run circles around you in that same instance. So I've been blessed to to meet a lot of people in my life that keep me um, humbled <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, nice. You were like a ball of positivity. And I, I can feel it. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I, really, I, really, I really fuck with it. I, I, it it I wasn't always it. like this. I promise you it was a learning experience. It was something that I had to like really hunker down on. But I, I have a love for helping, a passion for helping people. Same. I like and love to be around people and help them develop and see things. My mom always used to do this thing with me where she always plays the devil's advocate. I would walk in a room and I'd be so sure that I was right. 1000% right, like you can't tell me I'm wrong. And she would then like tell me to take myself out of my shoes and put myself in that person's shoes. Now, and she would talk to me as if I was the person and so she's right, right? And I don't, yeah. nobody ever likes that. You don't want to give up being no, right, right? No. So you have to wear those shoes. And when you start to wear those shoes and you start to think about how they might feel, what what kind of things they're not saying or they're not doing in this situation, what kind of things they're holding back from, what other obstacles could they possibly be facing that would prevent them from, from doing exactly what you think should be done in this situation? Like you can't control people. You can only control your own reactions. And right. I think at the end of the day, people have to remember that. Like you cannot force your ideals on people. You can't think just because, you know, we all watch the horror movie. We tell the girl run left, you know, damn well, she's not running left, but you still scream it in hopes that she runs left. Right. 
So there's a difference in that moment between telling somebody what you think they should do and truly giving them the best advice in a situation and, and having them see the situation for what it is. And if you can pick stuff apart like that with somebody, you can really change their mindset on things. I've sat with a lot of people as a, um, as a as the person that I am, especially over the past couple of years when we had, you know, Donald Trump as president, I had to sit with a lot of, I went into a lot of rooms as a liberal, you know, as a Democrat and sat with yeah. Republicans and explained why there's no need to be like facetious, why there's no need to be ridiculous about it. At the end of the day, it's about what you want and what you need and who you vote for is your business. You could sit here in a red cap all day and go into the booth and vote blue and vice versa. Um, I had people who I met and I sat with and they were only voting because that's what their husband voted or they were only doing this because that's what their family does. They're they're literally just following the toe. Right. They're not they're not even looking at it. They're not even attached to the toe. But because the toe is in front of them, they're like, oh, I must I must do this. And so then when you sit in a room and you sit at a table and you have an educated conversation without cussing each other out, without and bring your points validly to the table and educate it and and are open to hearing the other side, it changes everything. So I was able if I was like, if I can navigate this, this table of sharks, I I can navigate any room. There's not a room I can't be in and, and not be good at because. That's the at the end of the day, that's what it's about. We're on this earth to teach what we know and learn everything we can from everyone. You you'll never be perfect. You're always growing, you're always learning. Your your cap is never full. There's it's not like eating, right? There's a moment where you're eating and you're like, I can't eat anymore. With knowledge, it is literally uncapped. You can get as much as possible in your brain. Your brain can hold so much more information than you give it credit for. You can recite the lines to the freaking commercial or your favorite song. You can definitely learn a little bit about what's going on in the world and how your choices can affect the other people around you. Most definitely. Me, see, man, you were right here. Me and you were right Because <laughs> I'm, I'm in the military. I've been in the military for 18 years. Oh, and, Thank you for your yeah, service. I, oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So um, I've dealt with those same, similar kind of kind of individuals, like the oh, old heads who were just narrow-minded and ignorant. And I got a couple I, of them my, in my family, too. Oh, man. So the... <laughs> My I, that philosophy is what I I go by on a daily basis, especially to the younger the younger individuals who are in, and if, whenever there's a situation, I always break it down just like that. Like, okay, well, calm down instead of acting on your impulses and then just just blurting it out or acting a certain way. Let's collect yourself and then think about okay, what what happened? So what if you were this individual or whatever? So and so and so and so. And then when you do that, individuals are are really like, "Oh, you're right. Yeah, you know, I was I was acting off impulse or whatever, whatever." And they start to realize, like, "Okay, maybe I need to start doing that." And I was that individual growing up. Like, I was, oh man, like similar to you, I was hot head. Like, you can tell me nothing, but the the more mature I got and the older I got, now I'm all about like positivity and actually breaking down and analyzing a situation before reacting to it it's just i'm i do love i love teaching and helping people just like you so hearing you say this is just it, it puts a, a a warm spot in my heart i, just, I, I enjoy, <laughs> I love I enjoy it. it which by the way anybody who's watching this we did not coordinate this i did not know no, that he no. was gonna wear red and i didn't no. it was just a it was just a moment <laughs> I just was like, because you, because we're so much alike and we're vibing right now, and I'm like, yep. this was not intentional, this was not planned, it just kind of happened. Whatsoever. 
but yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too, and I was I I I noticed it and I thought about it, but I didn't want to say anything. Me too. But now you said it again, and I'm like, listen, we're on that same mental wavelength, and that's like that's another thing about it for sure. But yeah, like I think you gotta, I don't know, like I I did the negative thing, right? And you gotta ask yourself, like, um, I oftentimes use this analogy with any one of like my patients or my clients. I'm always like, um, your emotions are are waves, right? You have never in your whole life in any movie, animated, real book ever heard of a wave coming and staying a wave will never come and stay on the shore right so your emotions are like waves i i tell especially when i'm dealing with kids because i love kids i'm like your emotions are waves it's like sometimes the wave will come and it'll touch your toes and it'll tickle you and it'll make you all joyous and then sometimes when you're not as with that wave will come and knock you right on your ass right like just take (laughs) you out but the reality is is that no matter how hard or soft that wave hits you it always goes away it never stays So your emotions are the same way. You should not be sitting in your emotions. You should never be sitting in your feelings. You should always let things go because they're not meant to stay. You're meant to be angry at times. You're meant to be sad at times. You're meant to be confused and jealous and envious and all the other joys and elated and excited, you know, uh, you know, any word I was going to say, a bunch of other words. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't say that, but no, (laughs) but yes, true. You're meant to feel all these emotions, right? That's why they exist. And so, but you're not meant to live in them. You would no sooner sit in a diaper full of your own crap than you would want to sit in in any emotion. And that goes for ones like grief or sadness. You know, um, no one ever gets happy in the moment and gets terrified instantly after thinking the happiness is going to go away. Right. You don't go on the roller coaster and go over the hump and and get excited and then start crying because you you no longer can go over the hump. Right. You know, if you want to feel that excitement again, what do you have to do? You have to finish the right. roller coaster ride and yeah. then get back on. Right. So it's really the same way with your positive attitude. You can always choose to be positive. I could choose to be negative. I can choose to be mad, but I don't have to choose to be mad and negative. They're not mutually exclusive. So all of your emotions, you should not tether them to a result that you want. You know, I think a lot of people have to understand. I remember life lessons from mom. We're going to have like hashtag life lessons from mom. (laughs) Um, No one can make you feel a way you don't want to feel. I remember the first time she said that to me, I was, I was offended. I was furious. I was like, you're not telling me that I'm choosing to sit here and be upset. I don't want to, who the hell wants to be upset? And she's like, you do because you're mad. You didn't get your way. You're mad that this didn't go how you wanted. That person did this to you. Yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, what's done is done. You can't change it. No, you could not undo it in any way, shape, or form. And even if you did manage to undo it, the thought is always in your head that it happened. Think about that for a minute, right? So you are literally choosing to sit in your emotions, to sit in your feelings, to sit in your distrust, to sit in your dislike by choice. No one ever did anything to make you feel that way. No one can make you feel that way. They can act and you can react. Right. And even that is like a rubber band snap. My therapist taught me that one. A rubber band snaps once. A rubber band doesn't keep snapping unless you pull it. Stop pulling the fucking rubber band. Just let the shit snap and be done. <laughs> like people, and that's what you do every time you replay the memory in your head. Or every time you tell the story. If you're not healing from it, if you're not growing from it, then you're literally choosing to sit in what I like to say, sit in your own shit. Okay. Don't sit in your own Man. shit, people. <laughs> oh my god, that is some that is real though. That is some real vital information. Yeah, and I'm I'm, a, I'm gonna use that wave analogy. I like that. 
Oh, I love it. Please do. Please do. It's beautiful. And it it gives people a visual because you really think about it. And when I talk about it, I usually talk about in a sense of emotions. And I'm like, realize that your emotions are not real waves. That wave could hit you hard as hell and it will never knock you over. It can never. I, I do this with grief all the time because I want people to understand that grief is not something you should fall over and lay on the ground and just just give up on. So yeah. if the wave hits you hard, if it hurts, embrace it. Take it, take the hit. It's coming whether you like it or not. And then let it go. Find something else that makes you feel good about that. Choose life, choose love, choose happiness. Choose one of the other things that could have come from that situation. I used to get so upset when I broke up with somebody and you know you how you got a song. And then the song come oh, on the radio, yeah. and then I instantly go from doing the Carlton to being Tony Braxton, another Sarah Love song, like or you know Mariah Carey. Um, oh, yeah. as, every time you change the radio station, it's another song. It's just somebody else is singing in my ear, Sounds and you, valid. you, yeah, you just want to pull over and cry and shit. Like now, I'm like, no, like look at that song and think about the that was a really freaking awesome time in your life. At that moment in time, that memory that should be. Uh, igniting happiness and serotonin in your brain, you are now causing it to cause depression and sadness and all these other little things to go downward. Um, Steve Harvey says it best. When you wake up in the morning, there's no such thing as the wrong side of the bed. If you wake up in the morning and you choose to just be angry and upset because whatever happened or whatever didn't go the way you wanted it to, maybe it was a loud noise or the alarm clock went off late, whatever, you say it, the first thing, oh, this is going to be a shitty day. Your brain goes up, shitty day mood. So everything is going to piss you off. Everything's going to make you upset. But if you choose to get up and say, today is going to be, a, I challenge anybody to do this for 30 days. Wake up every morning and say, today is going to be a great day. Don't say a good day, an okay day. Say a great day. And, or even if you want to go better and be an amazing day, say something that's like astonishing. Like say it's going to be magical. Say some shit that you don't never say, right? Say it for 30 days and watch the difference in how your days go. Watch the difference in just how you handle stuff. Like normally you wake up in the morning, you don't say nothing like that to yourself. You get stuck on in traffic, you're going to be nasty. You get stuck in the road or like walking somebody in front of you in line, taking too long, you're going to get nasty. Somebody bump you, you're going to be like, yo, watch it, right? If you wake up and say, today's going to be a great day, that's going to be the day that you're going to find a dollar on the floor. The person at the at the food place is going to give you some extra nuggets. That you get, Everything is just going to, it's little by little. You get all these great things because you start to attract and you manifest your happiness in like a physical yeah. form. So you're literally just a magnet for it and you personify it. And when you start to do that more and more, like people just get it and you attract people that way. And that's how you attract all the good things you want in life. You can't sit on the bed and say, oh, I wish I had a million dollars. Well, what are you going to do for the million dollars, right? Are you going to get up and go yeah. work for a million dollars? And then are you going to do a millionaire's worth of work? Or are you going to go do your 995 worth of work? Like, <laughs> you have a choice. Like, you make that a, you make that a complete and total um, experience for yourself. No one else can do that. People can do little things to help you have a little wave of joy on your toes, but they cannot make you happy. Nor can they right. make you sad. You right. choose this. You choose that. At the end of the day, it's all about you making the choice. That's right. And that that reminds me of that Will Smith quote. I don't know if you're familiar with the Will Smith quote in regards to Jada, when he's like, "It's not my responsibility to make her happy. It's her responsibility. It's my responsibility to just go with her and and uh, promote her happiness or or whatever the case may be." And, and that's just a quote that I really enjoy because that it's just real. Like. 
it's not the, your spouse or your your significant other or your brother or whomever's responsibility to make you happy. It's your own responsibility to make yourself happy. And I just that just kind of correlates to what you're saying. That's yeah. Great. Oh, 100 percent. It's uh, it's very that like you you have this choice to do it. Right. And then so if you have a partner or spouse who's like it's like, oh, I want to take a ride. And your spouse is supposed to be like, okay, let's get in the car. Where are we going? I don't know. Okay, well, let's just go. Like, it's, that's how it should be because, you know, you can't go and be like, oh, well, you know, I don't like going to the mountain. Well, that's where it makes my joy is saying I got to drive to the mountain. So I'm going to get in the car and drive to the mountain. Your job is to do one of two things, either get in the passenger seat and go with me or say, baby, have fun at the mountain. I'll see you when you get home. Right? That's it. It don't got to be nothing else. It don't got to be nothing else. You don't got to, you don't got to oh, be, don't be messing around on that mountain, girl. Don't do, no, you, I yeah. know you, you love the mountain. You got it. You go, you do you. I see you when you get home or come on, let me take my butt to this mountain with you so I can see what you've been raving about. You know what I mean? Indulging yeah. it in that way. You don't have to like be negative. You don't got to put your pin and say, oh, well, you know, I heard five people fell off the mountain last week. Bitch, why you got to say that? Why you got to come in and just be... <laughs> Oh, you know, people die all the time on that. Yeah, you think I don't know that? I know that. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. It's not like I'm going up there to do whatever. Like, um, <laughs> be mindful of the people who talk to you like that. If you want a quick, helpful hint on if your friends are really your friends, walk in a room and say, you just got some something great just happened, right? If you're the kind yeah. of person who something great always happens to, your friends are going to be like, again? Oh my God, what is it? Tell me all about it, right? But if you got a low-key hater, a low-key hater is going to be like, Hey, oh, here we go again. Uh-huh. You know, this here goes the lucky person, whatever. Or they're like, oh, that's uh-huh. nothing. That ain't nothing. So what? You got to raise or, you know, your, your one-upper friends who's like, oh, I got to raise last week too. You know, yeah. but instead of getting nasty about it, y'all should just high five and keep it moving. Like right. that's that's how you can kind of gauge your, your relationships with the people you have around you. Because I started doing that. I started cutting people off. And I don't, I don't tell you I'm cutting you off. I don't I don't make it a big thing. I don't even delete you from Facebook because I want you to watch my happiness. So I literally just go, okay. And I choose not to call you anymore. I choose not to to invite you to the event. If I see you out, I'm 100% cordial. I'm 100% about, you know, if you want to tell me what's going on in your life, I will sit and I will listen because I'm a friendly person. But am I inviting you to my wedding? Probably not. Am I, if I go out to lunch and I have a celebration, am I going to invite you? Probably not. I'm not going to put you in that situation because you're going to be the person who's going to rain on my parade. And I have a choice. The beauty that I think people forget the most is that you have a choice to say no. You don't have to say yes to everybody. You have the power to say no. You can stop any injustice or any violence happening to you simply by saying no. You sometimes we have to say it to ourselves because you know you want to punch the person in the face who's insulting you and you'd oh, be like, definitely. you know what? Oh yeah. Mm. But you tell yourself no mm-hmm. and you get to walk away. There's something empowering in walking away. I don't know why where and walking away became a cowardice thing or it became a, a shit show. But the reality is like yeah. me walking away from things is my favorite thing. Because I know that eats you up more than if I stand there and I argue with you. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I will skip. Way. And laugh yep. and jump and click my heels on the way out of the door before <laughs> I turn around and argue with you. That's Unless good. you deserve it. Because some people need a good verbal abuse smackdown or Almost some people definitely. just deserve a good physical one too. I just oh, yeah. try to stay away from the violence. I left New York for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, but that's not my job. I tell people all the time, it's not my job to give it. If it was my job to give it, then I would give it. But the way I'm yeah. set up right now, you're not going to disturb my peace. Protect your peace at all costs, people. 
And that's good. A lot of people need to have that mindset because it's just that, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm upset. I'm about to give you the business. But at the end of the day, what, what resulted from the confrontation? Nothing. You're still mad. That person's still mad. Y'all lost y'all's relationship. Nothing result was resolved. So And you're in physical pain. You're in mental, exactly. spiritual, and physical pain. It ain't worth it. Exactly. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so, so, I, so I have, so my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's about to be 15 in like a week. On, on her soccer team, she has, one of her teammates is actually transitioning from female to male. Okay. So, what do you not not for that individual per se, but just people in general who are in that process? What advice would you give to individuals going through that that process? I mean, my initial first knee jerk reaction is to say, "Dig your heels in and stand your ground." Always, um, in the same essence that no one can make you feel a certain way, no one can tell you how you feel. No one can tell you how you are feeling inside or dealing with things. So if if you feel a certain way or if you feel something, then pursue it 100%. I think yeah. in this day and age, I think that there's a lot more leeway where you can choose your path and you don't have to pursue it until the wheels fall off. If that isn't what resonates with you, if it isn't what you feel. Um, I wish that when I was growing up, somebody would have told me about the difference between my sexuality and my my gender and how they're not they're not anywhere on the same playing field. Like as a trans woman, I identify as a, as a heterosexual, you know, um, in a way, but because that's my preference. But in reality, if I was going to sit here and really have at it with people, I'm technically bisexual. I have had sex with men and women. And it's yeah. not a it's not a thing for me. I'm attracted to both men and women. So you have to kind of look at it from a standpoint of that person's gender doesn't resonate with their sexuality. And their sexuality is nobody's fucking business. Because who they right. sleep with behind closed doors is their business. Unless they're that's messing true. around at like, you know, Folsom or something like that and making it public business. <laughs> that's different. But, you know, right. as a child growing up or as a person in general coming into their own on how they feel, I think I would want to let everybody know, like, literally what I said, like dig your feet in and stand your ground on how you feel because you should never be scared, afraid, or hesitant to tell people what you're feeling. And in terms of that, like if you're resonating as a male, if you're resonating as something, if your attraction is elsewhere, so you might not even have an attraction whatsoever, like to someone else. So it doesn't correlate. They're not like exclusive (laughs) like again once again it's another situation where it's not mutually exclusive trans people don't fall under one umbrella we can we can fit into anything because our transition is only gender-based yeah it is only gender-based it is only about uh where you want to go and right now with non-binary coming into the fold non-binary is something that's completely out of that but right there with it non-binary actually has a um, a transitional letter on licenses in certain states in the U.S. You can get an X put on there instead of an F or an M to suggest that wow. you're non-binary. Um, I believe once one state did NB and one state did X is from what my knowledge is. But mm-hmm. the fact that they're acknowledging that and addressing that is a is a huge notion that it's about gender. Like for me, the one of the biggest moments in my life was getting my name changed legally and getting my F on my license. 
like my license picture is fire. I would show it if it wouldn't give up all my information. But like, Are it's, you fire. Info? It's, it's yeah, it's like it's gorgeous, you know. And so I love it, and I was happy. It was a it was a big moment for me. So I know other people out there having that that moment is like that. But that doesn't make me any more gay or any more lesbian or, or any more of those other things. That simply is just where my transition is going. And I don't have any plans to stay in limbo. I want to finish my transition and have like my full surgeries and things like that and yeah. be who I want to be. And I'm not on anybody else's time, but my own and God's. That's it. Yeah. Like it, you know, true. whatever, true. whatever is meant to be will be in, in, if you're not a God follower in the universe's timing, you know, the universe yeah. has it set out for you already. Your job is to, to get it done. And so you're yeah. going to, it's going to happen. It's going to happen through the actions you take. And so the same, when it comes to transitioning, it's super important that people understand that. Like you can't force anybody to do it. Like they can't just go get their, their chest done today. They can't just go get a BBL. They can't just go get their name changed. There's a process to everything and everything takes its time. And it's, it's not your journey. You kind of have to learn how to be not a passenger seat driver, but a backseat driver. It's like being on a bus. When it comes to somebody else's transition, you don't get no, you can't choose the route. You can't choose the music on the radio. You can't, all you can do is sit in the seat and ride and be there with them through all the stops. That's it. And it's the same thing with your life because you don't have anybody in the the seat saying, oh, if you want to, if you want to get more girls, you got to dress like this and you got to spend your money like this and you got to, you know, go to the gym and work out. That's not true. If that was the case, there'd be a lot of single people in the world. Who ain't getting nothing. I, I got friends who, who yeah. go from all shapes and sizes who are doing well better in the relationship category than I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think people have to remember that. Like, don't ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Don't force True. your ideology onto somebody in that same aspect. Like, allow them to do their journey and just be supportive. And to anybody who's in that situation, once again, be mindful of the people around you and how they're talking to you. You know? Um, yeah. Also, be your own best friend. <laughs> don't look, don't wait for nobody to celebrate shit. Be your own best friend. Having five people with you at the movie theater is not better than going to the movie theater and seeing the movie you want, when you want, how you want. Don't wait. Like, you do not need to celebrate with nobody. Celebrate all your small victories and your big victories the same. If you want to throw a little party, I go to Applebee's and get me one of them little cookies and ice cream any day of the week. <laughs> And just have my little celebration or for my my little successes the same way I would go buy myself a cake for my birthday or for like a huge accomplishment with work or something like that. Like it's all valid and people shouldn't deter you from that either. But I know a lot of times I wasted a lot of time in my life waiting for people to come celebrate with me, waiting for people to cheer me on, waiting for people to do something. Their opinions don't mean shit in your life. I'll be honest. It's only opinion that matters is your own. Because it's the one that you're going to wake up to every morning and it's the one that you're going to go to bed to every night. Yeah. And that's real right there. You heard it. You heard it here. (laughs) At least the only one who goes to Applebee's. uh... (laughs) I do chilies too. Like, no. (laughs) I love to eat out. I love to eat out. I do. I go wherever. But I'm glad you brought that up because people do not think of that. Like how the... They, they differentiate from gender and sexuality. Like sitting here, me personally sitting here thinking about that, thinking about it, it was like, that is such a true statement because I personally didn't differentiate differentiate the two. So it's that's crazy. I'm glad you 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 covered that. That's just man, you're so wise. So, <laughs> I've been through enough. I've been through enough. <laughs> nice. So and you, it's something. 
No, no go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. No, <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying it's something that I've, I've had to educate myself on, like, through my degree and then also just in my, my community. Like, there's so many people that you meet and they say something and they're like, I don't have to do that. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Shit, I didn't think about it that way. I was like, I had to get shut up a few times for me to catch that one. I was like, so I let people know, and especially in reference to transitioning or just gender in general, like, it's not the same. And people tend to put them in a bubble and then get confused yeah. when it doesn't work out. That's why. <laughs> Damn, that's what's up. So now, let's talk about your business. Okay. So I, you know, I seen uh, you had posted something in your story. It was it was it was uh, like a lightweight bio of just you know each slide was describing yes. you as an individual, which was very good, by the way. Re- reintroducing I watched the whole myself. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yep. thank you. So and you got uh, to see so... me dance. You got to see me do a flip in heels. Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> I watched it all. Yeah, I watched it all. So go over your business and what exactly it is per se. Yeah, so I am, I work with a network marketing company um, called Money or Modern Nature. I've been with them for a year and a half. And I started with this business just to find something to like circumvent my overtime. I was in school for my master's and I was working, um, I was working crazy hours in the hospital in a mental health facility. Uh, the pandemic hit and I went from being a, a, P- a PRN, which is like somebody who only works 12 hours a week to being full-time. And then I went from full-time to working 60, 70 hours a week. Um, and it happened all really quickly. Like I got the job in January, February, I was full-time. By March, I was working 60 hours minimum. Um, and so it really just, I did it for a while and I loved the money because like anybody else, when you're making overtime like that, it's fire and you're not like, you're not thinking about what it's doing to your body or your mental health. And so around probably nine months of doing that, I was just like, you know what? This is not for me. I need something else. I saw my homegirl. She was working from home. She was in this marketing business and she was selling shampoo. And I was like, oh girl, tell me about it. I was like, I'm always in the market for a new shampoo. Um, You know, person of color. I was like, I've I've done a lot of different things to my hair. I was like, yeah. I really am always looking for something, the next best thing, right? Um, so she got on to me and she kind of was telling me about it. And I kind of heard about the business, but I didn't really know if that's what I wanted to get back into because I had done network marketing before. I had worked for like Avon and these other companies and never really yeah. benefited from it. So with this one, I kind of saw another girl with hair like mine, curly hair, um, kinky, coily, curly hair. And I saw her curls just being fire. And I was like, oh girl, I'm in like, Tell me about the business. Tell me how I get these products. I was like, if nothing else, I have fire hair. And so um, <laughs> I, I joined the business, not really thinking anything of it. And I, in my head, I kind of told myself, I was like, oh, you'll do this. You'll make, you'll circumvent your overtime and you won't have to work so hard. And um, so that's what I did. And literally within the first week of work in the business, I made a lot of money. And I was like, you know what? Let me just keep doing this. And when I started it, it was just to help people. I love the product. It worked on my hair. My curls started to flourish. My hair felt soft. It was like, I was in love. I was enamored. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is it. I've been doing all these different hair creams and oils and doing egg yolk and avocado (laughs) mask and all this other stuff, (laughs) trying to get my hair to look nice. And I couldn't do it. And this product came in and in one wash, I was like, oh, I was in love. And so after using the products for three months, I was using the face, the skincare and the hair can. I just really was all in on it. And I started to gain recognition in the company uh, as just as a seller and as somebody who has like, who's doing well. And when you're doing well, they actually come train the other people. They're like, hey, will you come train our teams? Will you come show us what you're doing so that we can help them have your kind of success? 
And so right. I initially just went in being like, oh, y'all want me to talk? Like, I don't, I don't know if I could tell y'all. I was like, I could tell you what I'm doing, but I'm not doing anything like crazy. So I went in and I started, I started teaching people about this business. And of course, very much like this conversation, I uh, dropping nuggets, little, little motivational tips, little quotes here and there, little things to, that I use every day to keep me in a good space. And they're like, oh my God, like, we need you to come do this. Like, like, you don't, don't talk about the product. Just come motivate people. Just come, just come talk to my team, talk to my team of like 25 people. And then next thing you know, I was in a room of, of like 150. And then the next thing you know, it was a zoom of 500 people. And, um, I was like, oh my God, like, y'all really like what I'm saying. (laughs) I was like, I I was like, I'm valued. I'm cherished. Like y'all really want me. Like, and so it just became this big thing. And then, so of course, um, in the business, I have my own team of people that I work with. Um, I'm nobody's boss, but I work with everybody. So I just help cultivate yeah. good culture, positive energy, you know, and I help people kind of get over that, like new job hump, you know, anytime you go and you get a new job in the first 90 days, you kind of like, you don't really know anybody. You don't have that many friends. Yeah. You're kind of like, yeah. you know, you're learning the business. You're trying not to F up. And every time you F up, you're worried somebody's going to come yell at you. And even when they don't come yell at you, you still feel like you're yelling at you. Cause like. Yeah. You're fucking up their business. Like with this, there's none of that. There's no, okay. there's nobody on my shoulder worried about like how I'm having the conversations, how much product I'm pushing. Like if I'm talking about the business to other people, like that weight being off my shoulders just allowed me to like really, really. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Mm. No, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because he's like bugging out he's waiting for everybody to come home he's like wilding out right now but yeah um where was i <laughs> sorry <laughs> i know how this works i know how riverside works i know you can edit that all out i know the, that whole gap no, will be gone i'm like, gonna let it ride i'm gonna let it ride <laughs> hi everybody my bad where was i no, you're fine i totally lost my train of thought though where was i what were we talking about so we were talking about when you're in in a new workplace and you feel like someone's talking down to you, even though you didn't mess up. Right. I was saying like, feel. we don't experience that here. Yeah. Like, so in this business, like yeah. you don't, you don't go through that. Like there's nobody, there's no um, quotas or red flags. No one's going to fire you if you don't do something, if something else comes up kind of deal and you work at your own pace. So it's been like a really big blessing to me because uh, when I got into this business, my dad was uh very close to passing away from cancer. And um, I got to spend time with him and be with my family and work from home. And so it became a twofold kind of helping system for me. Not only am I um, helping people with their hair and skin and getting them back to feeling confident, uh, i.e., which is why that's my IG name, The Confidence Builder, because I help people (laughs) feel confident about themselves, both inside and out. um, But I was also mentoring women in this business. And I was getting women who had been in the in the business for three, four, five years coming to me, asking me for my advice. Imagine that uh, a black yeah. trans woman uh, coming into the business, only having been in the business for three months. And I have people who have been in it for years coming and saying, oh, my God, the advice you gave me <clears throat> helped me grow my business. Oh, my God, the advice you gave me really helped me in my personal life. It really 
resonate. I was feeling the same way. I was going through the same thing. Like, so it was so dope to have that and to be able to have that. So I took the platform and I pushed it further um, and was like, you know, I have this, this ability to help people um, on another level. So as like a life coach or being like a, I mean, and then I graduated this past December and I was able to be like a therapist. I can be a counselor now. So now I'm a full fledged, uh, on that road. And I'm like, this is so great because this one little business changed my whole life. And for the past year and a half, it's allowed me to, to dive deeper into my personal happiness and my, my personal light of positivity. And it gives me a constant reminder of like, I'm like, I'm valued. I, I, I'm 100% valued. I, I matter on, on another level now that I had never mattered before. You know, it's different when you're talking to your best friend giving advice or you're talking to your parents, you know, or somebody and you're of having course. a coffee, you know. But in this matter, I'm, I have this opportunity to really change and touch people's lives. So now I'm leaving a legacy inside of a company that is 100% behind me. They support me and my transition and everything about me. They don't shy away from me doing shows or doing any of those other things. They encourage me to to be who I am and still make money. So I'm like, you can't get better than that. <laughs> of course. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm glad everything worked out for you and in that aspect. I really am. <laughs> so I, talk about the talk about the the entertainment aspect of your of what you do. Oh well, so for those of you who who have not heard or didn't catch on yet, I do drag <laughs> and I do entertainment, <laughs> I do shows. I perform modestly saying I like to twirl. Um, like it's a, it's a fun thing that I've been doing since I was 18 years old and I was in Pittsburgh. I started it working for a club called Pegasus Lounge and um, it was just a hobby. It was something fun to do. I was in school and I, I saw a show and I saw three women come on stage each do a different type of song. Some did like more theatrical, some did more dancey, some did more like music video. But at the end of it, I'm looking and I'm like, I could do that. I've I've been a dancer my whole life. I love dancing. I'm like, I could make money dancing. I was like, I could could dance circles around these women. I could really do, (laughs) I could do the thing. I could do some tricks. I could do some splits. I was like, I got all kinds of stuff I could I could put there from my cheer career. You know, I could really make this money. And I was like, I'm a broke college student. I'm like, of course, I'm gonna go do yep. it. So I went and I did it. And um, I went in and I, they had me do this uh, this pageant. It's like a you know very much like your your everyday pageant. Um, they've mm-hmm. got like three categories, and you go and you do it. And um, I went and I was like, oh, I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna slay this. I'm gonna like just knock this out the park. And freaking, I ended up getting, I won talent and lost the pageant <laughs> completely. Oh. <laughs> I was completely, completely lost it. One second. No worries. They went out, Max just, um, they came home in the dark. Yeah. So same thing I just went through, they're going through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I did that and I lost the pageant, but everybody said it was wonderful. And they said, you should keep working on it. You should keep entertaining. And I had no idea if you would have told me that I would have a career as an entertainer traveling all over the U.S. and to some other countries, um, dancing and pretending to sing for a living, I would have laughed at you. I would have said impossible, not me. I was like, what are we, Broadway? Like, what's going on? Like, I can't. I was like, I was like, and I, do, I can't carry a tune for my life. So trust and believe <laughs> when I say like, 
this as a as a potential option for making an income. I survived off of being an entertainer for for literally almost a decade. I did nothing wow. but just pack my suitcase and travel from state to state, from city to city, car, flight, um, cruise, whatever, and just I got to entertain and I loved it. And it's it's just become a passion for me. I I thought to myself, you know. I didn't think I would ever become a choreographer. I didn't think I would ever become a, like a backup dancer for anybody. I didn't have the technical training um, that I wish I had. And so I just saw this as an opportunity to, to pave my own way. And I had no idea it was going to turn into what it did. And I'm so thankful that it did. I'm so thankful I took the shot because I've met some incredibly amazing people throughout my life and on the road and off the road because of it. So Nice. I know my wife, she... Uh... We lived in Key West for uh, three years, and she used to go to the shows all the time. And she would come home like, "Oh, it was amazing! I love it! I love it!" And uh, so, where do you, where do you, where do you reside right now? Like, I'm currently in Tampa? in Tampa, Florida, in the Tampa, Florida area. Okay. I live in Hudson, which is a little bit north of there, but pretty much Tampa is okay. my home. If it's not, if I'm not in Tampa, I'm in Clearwater. That's kind of like my uh, my like yeah, trifecta. Yeah. I like literally am in one of those two. I might dabble down okay. in St. Pete a little bit, but you can always catch me. Um, I just took a position as a show director working for a place called Show Bar in Ybor City in Tampa. Yeah. And it's really awesome. I do their entire Sunday brunch. It's really fun. <laughs> so if you're in nice. the area, you ever want to come see me, please do come. It's every single Sunday. We never skip a beat. And it's been an absolute blast. Nice. Yeah, I'm familiar with... Um, so I'm from California, but I'm a Floridian. My wife is from Panama City. Oh, love it. I've been all over... Yeah, I've been all over Florida. So... You you said I seen uh, the location you had put was Ebor and I was like oh she's down there in old Tampa area yeah. I'm familiar with Ebor and, and all that stuff so and all its glory up. days thankfully it's a really great place to be these days um, they've really yeah. uh, done a good job at at revamping it and keeping it like um, protected we'll say uh, just because yeah. it's you know the, the chickens are still running around uh, please do not yeah. harm the chickens if you ever come here it is a, <laughs> It's a felony offense. I think if I'm not mistaken, it's like literally you'll go to jail and you'll get a fine. Um, but they're they're still here. They're protected, and it's it's been great. Uh, some of the places are no longer around. I don't know if you heard about the the big fire with um, uh, where is it? Not Armature. Uh, there was a there was a place on the corner right across from the Seven Eleven. It used to be a huge huge like dance floor place. But it burned down, unfortunately, a little while back. Oh wow! And then a couple other places, mm. like the Kennedy and stuff, all closed down after the pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic killed a lot of businesses, which yeah. is crazy. So, but I've held I've held you for almost an hour and a half now. So I know you got. It's been fun. I didn't even realize it's been so yeah, fun. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I've had I had a great time, and I'm I'm truly honored you uh, took the time and to hang out with me. Before we go, I want you to plug yourself, plug anything you got going on, upcoming events, whatever. The floor is yours. Oh, well, if you guys are in the area, we have uh, Tampa Pride coming up here the weekend of the 26th and the 27th of March uh, here in Tampa, Florida. It's going to be held in Ybor City. The parade is on Saturday and all the fun and festivities happen on Sunday as well. So it's good to be here the entire weekend. Um, and then on top of that, if you guys are ever interested in natural-based or vegan hair care, skincare, and or wellness, hit me up. I am on uh, Instagram as dncndiva, dance and diva. You can hit me up and I'll have you fill out a little quiz and we'll talk about what, what goals you have or what concerns you have for your hair, skin, and wellness. 
I'm gonna get you hooked up. Um, and then outside of that, just always be on the lookout for me. I travel all over the world. I'm, I just got back from LA and Hawaii and I'm going back soon. I'll be in Vegas uh, next month. So definitely keep on the lookout nice. for me and I'll probably be coming to a city near you soon. <laughs> nice. Well, Angelique, thank you for your time. And I, it was a pleasure. It was, I had so much fun. I, I smile a lot. I love it. I love it. Same, same. I feel them. They're they're a little sensitive right now, but it's good. (laughs) You were amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad this, the most random slide into a DM ever that turned out to be like one of the best (laughs) experiences ever. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm sorry for keeping you on hold for a little bit, but I was a little hesitant. I was like, had to make sure your credentials checked out, but you are freaking awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so happy to have been here and have this conversation with you. Please feel free to invite me back anytime. I'd love to come back and talk more. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. We're going to be buddies. We're going to be buddies. Yes. Most definitely. Done. Most definitely. (laughs) I want to give a shout out to to Gia Banks first because that's how I was introduced to you. No kidding. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Lead with that next time. Oh, my God. Just lead with that. I had no idea. (laughs) Well, I've been trying to get Gia on the show. But keeps giving me the runaround, so. Ah, oh, I'm going to get her. I'll get her for you. I'm. A, I'll, Thank you. I'll get her. I got her. I'll All reel right. her in. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Young, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate you for being a guest on the show. I hope you have a good rest of your evening. And I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you. This is a blast. And there you have it, folks. That was episode 30 with my special guest, Ronnie Angelique Young. I hope you gained a lot of knowledge because I know I did. You know, she, she, like I said in the intro, she dropped a lot of gems and she, she really, you know, kind of educated us on the whole transgender, I ain't even going to say genre, lifestyle, lifestyle, because like I said, and especially I really enjoyed when she broke down the the difference of sexuality and um gender because people don't people don't think about that so i hope you enjoyed that episode if you want to follow angelique you can follow her on instagram at dnc and diva on instagram and as always follow me on instagram at yeah that podcast Watch the videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash West Coast Rob. Follow me on Twitter at West Coast underscore Rob. And, you know, just stay tuned, man. Stay tuned. I appreciate the support as always. And thank you for the support. Until the next episode, it's the homie West Coast Rob signing off. Yeah, that.